You're listening to Any More Tea. Hello and welcome to episode two of series three. My name is the Reverend Tim Rose. With me is the looking very summery, I have to say, Katie Sumner. All right. How are you doing? Well, you don't look summery. No, I don't. I don't at all. You've got a jumper no. on. I have got a jumper on. Yeah. And, hey. and a shirt even. Well, you're well dressed. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> for what for once in my, once in my you've life you've turned up looking you know dapper i yeah. I, I, I appreciate it tim well yeah um, thank you you've just hot-footed it from spending the day with smelly teenagers and yet you're yep. still looking you know quite you know summery <laughs> and and chipper and and again yeah. we're so glad that this is um, not smell-o-vision or smell a <laughs> smell-a-pod <laughs> smell-a-pod um sounds well, like I have to something say- at the bottom of the sea Having teenagers in my house and having gone in to your place of work just a few days ago with you, <laughs> there were there was distinct odors that, oh, that yeah. I had forgotten about for for a while. Other than when I go into my son's bedroom, but um, yep. yes, I think when um, bringing the boys back from football as well in the car, I'm just like, I don't care whether it's snowing. I'm having the window open, boys. <laughs> They're like, I was the window. It's freezing. I'm like, not a chance. My nostrils cannot cope. <laughs> But yeah. I was there. I was there early in the day and, yeah. and got to leave early in the day. I was I, as I was leaving. One of my thoughts was, "Oh my word! I wonder what it's like by about three o'clock." It's my yep. um. It's like one of those things, though. You like you acclimatize or uh, yeah. you I don't know what is it smellatize. Yeah. Um, you just get used to it, um, and then you start. <laughs> you're a bit like, "Why don't the kids smell? Do I smell?" <gasps> <gasps> then you realize, like, "Oh my goodness, I must smell too. We all smell the same." Ah! <laughs> but it's interesting you talk about smelling because um that has come up before as a negative so we've you know we've had to um address um like me at home with AJ it, you know poor Kipper he's um he's what what the kids like to call is hench nice yeah. hench um, which I'm guessing is meaning um, the puppy fat's vef- definitely reducing and the muscles are taking shape and form. And he's, he's growing into that, that like nice body shape that he should be. Um, but Bayek, Bayek, there's a stench that comes with that. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we've, you know, we've had the conversation with him and he, he, get, he does get embarrassed. And I just wonder how much it does, you know, thinking about who, uh, who we've got on the show today, I'm thinking how much it does affect their mental health. Mm. You know, these little things we, you know, we, I laugh at him and, you know, we, we throw different jodents at him and whatnot, but actually, you know, it's hard time for these kids. It's, Mm. um, you know, so many raging hormones, so much pressure to, um, you know, to get to school in the first place. We know that that's difficult for some kids um, to then be okay while you're at school um, you know, we're, we're looking at Sydney at the moment and we, you know, we we think she might have um, an auditory processing disorder um, where she glitches on certain words. Um, luckily, it's not the, she doesn't choose the words because um, <laughs> she would just glitch. Um, but she is, you know, we have to tell her three or four times the same thing, not like in a teenage way, um, but three or four times. And, and she'll say she's caught some words, but not others. 
if you do it visually, she's better. So imagine having all that going on, um, being at school, having assessments, your friendship groups, and then, you know, wondering about your armpit state. It mm. must be really hard. So I'm glad we've got um, our amazing guest on today. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the first of a two-parter looking at the whole subject of mental health. And we're focusing in on adolescent mental health today. And in a few moments time, we'll be hearing from the amazing Kate Hoyle, who had first-hand experience of her own daughter suffering quite severe mental health issues as she went through her teenage years. And Kate did something really rather remarkable about it. But Katie, you're right on the front line and mm-hmm. seeing these children as they come back from lockdown and all of the things that went with that and as they readjust and some of them actually in fact you know the year rates in one sense because their first year was so interrupted and now they're hitting more of normality but yet those year sevens who kind of lost their last year of primary school and are now hitting all of that stuff of new secondary school and all of those worries and concerns. Then you've got the older ones thinking about exams and everything. What are you seeing with adolescent mental health on the front line? Is it, is it bad? And what are, what are the issues? Um, I wouldn't say it was bad at all. Um, I think there is an overwhelming feeling of we are all in it together. Um, but you can pick up on certain cases where being away from being out of your routine, and being away from the school is clearly impacted. And the government have done this amazing scheme where they've put tutoring in place so that academically, you know, we can pick those kids up, we can safety net them, and they then know they're going to be looked after. Um, I know a lot of schools around the area, including my own, have um, brilliantly um, put in place um, like groups after school so that anybody who is um, feeling like they want to talk about how they've been affected can go in a safe place to do it. I think I see, um, it's interesting that you say about the different year groups, um, the younger years, so our key stage three, so our uh, seven, eights and nines um, are very much, our nines were disrupted quite badly, but they've come in, settled into their options and are really grabbing it and going. Our year eights are um, are our characters, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, brilliant characters, um, but it must be very difficult, you know, leaving primary school and almost being whammed up up a year at high school, um, particularly when you've got now these little ones running around and you know a year below you. I mean, what's all that about? Um, and then um, I would say our year sevens are less, a more primary aged. Um, they're um, not less mature because that's not the case at all. We have some, um, in, our, in my experience, um, our students have learned through COVID and have definitely matured with it. But I think where they've not been at primary school and in year six to take SATs, everything's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Mm. Because they come to us and we've had to really sort of soften those boundaries because they are expected to um stay to the state of our guidelines so that's the uniform which can be a big step up from the uniform that they had at primary school particularly if it was a couple of years ago um and um assessments i mean we there's no other way for a, a school to um gauge how a child is responding to their learning than to take an assessment uh, that's something new for these kids that were only ever you know thinking about their sats 
that was it just this one big thing in year six to then having assessment after assessment after assessment um each term um so yeah but what i'm on the on the flip side of that um we see um because we've got them and they're not like molded into primary school minds um their metacognition so their ability to be able to understand how they best learn is quite open so um it's a it, it's ripe for the picking <laughs> but yeah. you know it's a mixture um i'm just super glad that they are back and routine is in place and education is in place and that sense of normality and i know it will never ever be the same again but that sense of normality I don't bring them anything normal, do I? But um, the school as a whole and, um, you know, the education department as a whole have brought back, let's just chill this, let's go slow, let's get you up to speed slowly in your own time. Yeah. Um, so what I, what I am seeing is a better outlook from the government on children's mental health, particularly adolescents, considering what they're going through. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. And knowing there are these services out there when um, things don't go uh, according to plan, it's great now to be able to welcome Kate Hoyle, who, as I said earlier, saw things not go according to plan with her daughter as she hit adolescent years. And Kate did something really quite extraordinary about it. It was a real pleasure for us to, to interview her and uh, have a listen. So, Kate, it is fantastic to have you with us. Welcome to Any More Tea. We have a tradition, which is a bizarre thing after three series, but we've developed this tradition, which is the very first question for any guests that we have always revolves around the first time that I met the person. So I have been racking my brains. Now you'll probably, even, all right, the first memory I have of meeting you was actually at Emma and I's wedding. I'm pretty sure because I, uh, funny enough, I anticipated this question having listened, oh, wow. to podcast, yeah. having listened to the podcast and I'm pretty sure I met you on your wedding day. Okay, fantastic. So yeah, that was, it was a, it was a great day. So uh, it, was a very, yeah. it was a wild, marvellous day. And just for, for the listeners, first of all, before we, uh, we dive in, Kate, to your kind of background of what you do, that you are my wife's second cousin. Is that correct? Yes, I'm, I never understand about second cousin or cousin once removed and twice removed and but yes we're we're definitely related well my, and, my, and, and she was one of my lovely bridesmaids well there you go there's i i think i did know that in the buried down in the back of my brain somewhere so they're going to get the top memories my my father-in-law is currently in our house at the moment and we were having this discussion a little bit earlier and i think it is to do with sharing a grandparent apparently oh, makes you okay. second cousins okay so, a listener will correct us Yes. Anyway, oh, somebody uh, will know. Yeah. And KT is looking at me now, kind of very bizarrely. <laughs> I just, I just know that this conversation is just going to go round and round in circles until we figure it out. <laughs> I try to work out so many times, and it won't stick. So yeah, yeah. Let, let us know, listeners. What is, what is a second cousin? I know everyone could just Google it straight. And away also, can out. I just say, Kate and I are not related. Well, no, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Well, let's go back far enough. How are Katie and Kate related? This is going to be, it's going to be tricky over the next little while in this interview, um, for sure. But we, this is the first of our double header in our Faith, at, a Faith and series, looking at faith and mental health. 
And Kate, you've got a particular specialism really with adolescent mental health. Is that right? Or yeah, teenage, with... teenage and, and adolescent. Uh, adolescence, that's, yep. that's really, I mean, I, to be honest, it tends to be now anything from sort of 12 to 25, but uh, I, I term it as sort of teenage and adolescent. Yeah. Brilliant. So first up, give us, give us your backstory and how did you get into working with adolescents with mental health issues? Okay, so it really started with my daughter, Eleanor, and very sadly, she was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at the age of 12, Um, and that's where we got the diagnosis, obviously, we knew things were wrong before then, and she spent years with CAMS, and poor thing, you know, somebody would recommend a, a therapy to me, or something that's really helped them, and I would drag her off from pillar to post, just desperate to try anything to help her. Um, And things were just getting worse and worse and worse. And then I came across this woman called Marissa Peer, uh, who founded Rapid Transformational Therapy. And I really liked what she was talking about because she was saying things like, you know, you don't want therapy to go on for years and years. You want someone to get in there and solve it. And and I'm thinking, yes, (laughs) it's exactly what we want. And I pursued this and anyway, found someone to work with Eleanor and immediately I, afterwards I thought, oh, well, that's something else that hasn't worked. But then as the days and weeks progressed, there, there was a real shift and then it was like a snowball effect and it was the only thing that really helped her. And I was just so blown away that I dropped everything, retrained and that's what I do today. And the, the slightly different angle is that it incorporates hypnosis, which allows you to just access so much more via the subconscious than talking therapy via lo- your logical mind. And I just love what I do. I just absolutely love what I do. So it was a sad story really that got me into it, but it was a, a happy ending uh you know and Eden is now doing really really well and I get to help lots of people so now, you've said a word there Kate that I know for a number of our listeners and if I was honest with you if I was to go back 14 years 15 years you've said a word that would the alarm bells would have been ringing in my head uh, loudly um which is that hypnosis word so yeah. for you know, for a number of us, and I guess probably if you sort of grew up through through the 80s and 90s, someone says to you that word, you immediate, immediately you think of Paul McKenna yeah. um, swinging watches and now think of everyone being naked and and, and mind control. And that's, I guess, is what, what I thought. Um, Sorry, Tim, we've talked about you thinking about people naked. <laughs> well, I know that, that we've got a whole, we've got a whole episode, nothing to do with hypnosis. Nothing uh, to do with yeah, hypnosis. Yeah. Let's go or Paul McKenna or you, one. Kate. <laughs> moving on from the dark recesses of my mind um okay explain explain to us really what hypnosis is yeah i mean this is what i come across all the time because most people's exposure to hypnosis is stage hypnosis and that's that's very different hypnosis is basically it's not putting you to sleep it's actually making your mind extremely alert and focused but your nervous system relaxes so much that it's almost asleep of the nervous system. So your body becomes very still and relaxed, but your mind is able to really focus. So other things can 
drop away and you will be really focused on what you're you're thinking about talking about and from my point of view it has two huge benefits so the first one is it allows us to access the subconscious and the subconscious stores everything <laughs> everything is there so i don't need to guess or join dots or you know the the person i'm working with holds all the information i just know how to guide them to it and the second thing is it puts you in a really good state for positive suggestion. Uh, so some hypnosis can literally be, they'll take you into hypnosis and they'll just tell you lots of positive things, you know, whether that's you hate smoking or, you know, whatever it is, or you're, you love flying on airplanes. For me, I think there's a, there's a missing part because I find unless you go back and find the root cause of the problem, you can't really solve it because otherwise it's like a doctor giving you a tablet for a symptom but never really making you well because they haven't found out what made you sick in the first place. Yeah. So I always go back and go to root cause and we can do that by hypnosis and it's completely safe. It's very a relaxing process, actually. Um, I can't make someone do or say something they don't want to. I could probably be very rich if I could. Um, you have to, you have to want to process, even if I, I do quite a lot of work where I'll say something and I'll get someone to repeat it as a sort of real strong affirmation of what we've been working on. And if I don't use the language that they resonate, they will just automatically change it. So as they repeat it back to me, they will change it into their language. So, you know, I'm not imprinting anything in anyone's mind, but I, it does allow me to, to really put good suggestion to them. It's amazing, really, isn't it? That the, um, the mind is just so it's it, Tim and I were talking about this before. When you talk about um, a physical issue, you know, broke your arm. Lovely. Mm -hmm. This is what needs to happen. You know, the bones form together, blah, blah, blah. That's the end of the process. Um, you may have a weakness in it. You may not. It might be fine. But because people don't understand the brain, they're really worried and scared about any technique that may make them vulnerable, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I, think, I know. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Okay. Well, I was going to say the other thing is that people sometimes don't want or they're a bit scared of accessing all that stuff that, you know, it's a bit of a worry about a Pandora's box, which is why, you know, you do have to work with a trained therapist because, you know, you can release emotions and memories that have been tucked away as a safety mechanism. And you have to make sure that you deal with those. You can't leave someone um, with sort of just exposed emotions that they don't know how to handle. But yeah, I think it's the, it's the unknown, isn't it? Everyone's scared of the unknown. And, Absolutely. And, you know, we, but what's really fascinating, I think about the mind is that we think that these thoughts come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm driven by these thoughts or I have these negative thoughts or I have this inner critic and there are thoughts. And that's so mind-blowing for so many people. You think, well, if they're your thoughts, you created them and therefore you can change them. And that's such a fundamental shock. I, you know, I never thought of it like that. Hmm. And, and it's just part of us. It's, it's part of our inner mechanism. Mm -hmm. and, and it's only because events that we've attached emotion to then create a thought and that's where the thoughts come from. And I guess we label them dark thoughts or good thoughts, don't we? Mm. And, and um, it's that language that we use to ourselves. Um, so, you know, I'll go, oh, do you know what? I've had a bad day. Let's open the gin. And then there'll be the thought in the head that's going, mm, opening the gin again, are you? Mm -hmm. And it's that it, you, I've already given it a negative connotation because I've given it 
you know, that 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 language that's reminding me, oh, you shouldn't really be having the gin on a school night, should you? <laughs> it's, I've just got two kids and work with 1800 of them, believe me. <laughs> and I was just going to ask, because I, I do have, um, obviously we're working with in a secondary school. Mm-hmm. I see so many, so many minds at work all the time. And you, you, you I'd love to be able to sort of take the face off, not in a weird way, you know, mm-hmm. massacre, um, but be able to figure out how those minds are working and how very differently, because you can see it in the eyes sometimes and you can see it in a child's face. But, I'm presuming that that age, that sort of formative years, their mind um, must be very different from an adult's. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's the gap. <laughs> so what's happening, uh, synaptic pruning is fascinating, but what's happening a lot in teenage years is that we've got the lower brain. So that's the limbic system. That's the fight, flight, you know, primitive stuff going on. And then we've got the upper brain. And in the upper brain, we've got the prefrontal cortex, now that's the wonderful bit. That's that's the control tower. Okay. So that's planning, organizing, foreseeing consequences. That's not fully formed until oh. around age twenty-five. <laughs> you know, and yet really? we expect uh, for, yeah. forty-four. I'm not sure. I'm sure yeah, some, some people takes a little bit longer. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. But, that's um, good. good to know. <laughs> but you know, and um, we wonder why teenagers do risky things you know what we deemed was risky or they haven't could you not see what was going to happen well the answer is no because there's this there's this gap between the control tower and everything else that's going on and so processing for them is very different and what's happening in the brain is they're basically getting rid of all the stuff they don't need anymore okay and so all this processing is going on and it's a really confusing time for them as well. You know, so quite often you can say to a teenager, well, why did you do that? And they'll say, I don't know. And they genuinely, that is an answer. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on either. Um, and so I think we need, we need to, a lot more patience and understanding with, with this is a real time of change for them. We can almost do with a child answering the child and going, that's okay not to know because I don't know either. Yeah. Whereas we don't do where we go, well, you must know. Yeah, well, exactly. It clearly came from somewhere, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually uh, uh, that child learning that, that, you know, that frontal core Bits, prefrontal so cortex squishy bit at the front yeah. um, <laughs> the control That's the layman's term <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um actually they probably would relate to each other much better and we don't because we're all adults around them aren't we and yeah yes, and we need to learn yeah and I think that's a big thing of what I is what I talk about is seeing things from their point of view that's what changed everything between you know me and my daughter was actually seeing things from her point of view so not seeing the consequences like oh she's let someone down again oh she hasn't gone out again or she's left me hanging around for two hours because she's not ready it's like well what's going on for her and then it's like she was desperate to go out she was desperate to go to that thing she was desperate to meet those friends but the anxiety just took over and she couldn't do it and one of the biggest things I would advise parents is if you stop parenting according to other people's expectations and parent according to the needs of your child that's very different mm-hmm. yeah it is and yeah. and you you know what I had to step back from was it 
yes, I was expected to get her into school every day. And yes, she was expected to take her exams on a certain timetable. And yes, she was expected to, and yes, it would be good to give her fresh air every day. But when you cut all that out and realize, do you know what? I just have to make this child well. Yeah. Mm. And exams can wait and school can wait. And all those expectations of people forget about those. And let's just concentrate on getting you well Mm. and what you need right now. Kate, I think one of the things I've um, discovered in my own kind of journey with mental health, whether that be kind of mental health in our family, my own kind of personal mental health is this um i passionately believe now we've done this false separation between mental health and physical health and actually even using for me using the term mental health um for me now isn't i've used it we'll continue to use it so many times it's how we understand it but you know actually when i think about it logically it's a nonsense because our brain and our other vital organs are all in encased within our within our bodies and it's, yeah. it, you know, it's all health. And as, and as Katie said earlier, um, you know, you, you break your arm. You, you, we know what the treatment is. Mm. You, you, you have an infection. You know what you know what the treatment is. Do you think that that kind of what you're doing with RTT, um, with other things that we'll come to, to talk about in a moment, is this just more of treatment for the mind that in years to come will just go, yeah, you know, this is this is when you've got a, a mental health issue. This is where you go in the same way that if you had an infection, you know, you'd go see your GP. I really hope so, because the barrier we've got to break down is that, you know, to go to the phys- physician if you've got a physical issue. And then somehow we just don't talk about having a mental health issue. Yeah. And so, but that needs fixing the same as something else needs fixing yeah. and you need help to fix one and you need help to fix the other. And, and yeah, it's, it's just, again, we, when we were talking about where do these thoughts come from, it's all us, it's all one complete being. Mm. Um, and just because we understand one more than the other. Um, absolutely. I really hope I, we've come a long way, mm. even talking about mental health and understanding that it's, a feature of us and it's not something that's necessarily permanent you know you can be your physical health can be affected for a while and your mental health can be affected for mm. a while and all of us in our lifetime at some point our mental health will be affected at some point yeah um, some people unfortunately you know it is permanent and there is a huge impact on their lives and other people it'll be something that just impacts them for a while um but absolutely i we've got to make it that people realize that they can go to get help for this and, and people should seek help. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's not called mental health and I've got nothing against the term mm. whatsoever, but I just yep. don't, I think it's too broad. Um, I yeah. think it's just sticking a big plaster over, you know, all the same scars, isn't it? It's not going to help. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it cognitive healing? Is it, you know, what it doesn't, we just need to look a little bit further because it's just, um, it's just, I suffer with anxiety and depression mm. and Tim, you've talked about your suffering before, mm-hmm. but they're two very different things. Um, even the word anxiety to me is something different than it is to Tim mm. within, within our own personal sort of experience of it. Um, and it's that, isn't it? It's, and also the trust. I think sometimes um, we, we put all the, I mean, we've got an amazing system with the NHS. I'm never, ever going to knock it. Um, but I do think that all of a sudden it's been, let's talk about mental health. 
which is great. Thank you. Finally, somebody coming out there and saying we, we can talk about not feeling great. Um, but it's a bit more than that. It's a bit more than not feeling great. It's something actually going wrong in our heads. Um, and the, the pathway to, to getting us to a place where we're feeling better about it. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you say, it's a huge, that's like saying, you know, a, a broken leg is the same as open heart surgery. Yeah, it's not. Mm. It's just it's just completely different. And we have to accept that there's the same difference with what's going on in our, our minds and our emotions. And it's, um, it's as much emotions as it is anything else. You know, it's emotions around past events and beliefs that we've created. Um, so, yeah, there's there's different approaches for different things. Mm. Um and, you know, talking therapy works for some people and it doesn't for others. There's, all, there's no one has got the therapy, the same as there's no one approach to, to medicine. No, we all know that paracetamol and ibuprofen, God bless them, but um, they only mask the issues. They don't fix them. Exactly. Um, so we're used to doing that and we seem to bang on about that being OK. So oh. um, I guess we need to move forward with other things as well. And um I just I find it fascinating that the mind's got this place where it can store stuff and actually in some ways it's protecting you. It's yeah, stored, definitely. It's, it is totally protecting you because if you had access to all of that all the time, mm. I mean, I know how overwhelming it is just to work, live, feed, you know, just toilet half the time. <laughs> um, you know what? We don't, we don't need to go there. Come on. Well, right, well that's right the problem. I do need to go and I forget. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, um, and I just think it's so clever and so wonderful and we should treat it better and it, yes. we both need to give it its own gift of thank you thank you brain thank you yes. emotions thank you gooey bit at the front you know all those, those <laughs> things we actually we, we never look at it medical journals I just mean that you know we 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 often talk about mental health it's always negative um but yes. actually mental health is, is brilliant and we're, we're grateful mm. for what we've got let's work with what isn't working mm. yeah and and you know we're going back to people being worried about the form of hypnosis about 80 percent of our day is run by our subconscious because we couldn't function in any other way we you know if you can you imagine if we logically had to think okay, I've got to walk over there. So I put my left foot there and then I put my <laughs> right foot there. And like, you know, so we're all, we're in that hypnotic trance so much of the day. How many things do you do on autopilot? You know, tons of things. Yeah, so, I've seen Katie drive. <laughs> <laughs> but that, please, Radio please get silence. Back, get, get back on pilot. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, so we have to have that running in the background so that we can concentrate on the interesting things and the things that we do need to really focus on. So it's all part of a natural process anyway. Um, Kate, we're, uh, you, you, you said a line um, a few moments ago, and uh, we, we do like to get a little bit personal on any more tea uh, from time to time. But you said the line um, kind of beliefs, um, beliefs you've created. Um, he's hooked so, you in. He's hooked yeah. you, <laughs> you in. He's got the so, hook. <laughs> and this, this is our, this is our faith and series. So, Kate, um, you know, we're, we're, we're Katie and I are both, both Christians. Describes us as followers of Jesus. How do you describe yourself from a, or how would you describe yourself from a faith point of view? And, and this why, is a safe place. We, this is a very, yeah, because we, we interview people from every, you know, from all, all, faith, all faiths and none. Um, how, yeah, how would you describe? 
yourself and in what you've discovered over the last few years, how has that changed any of those beliefs, if at all? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one for me because I have just such an, I don't know, innate belief in God and Jesus, um, which started from really my friend who lived down the road. I don't know how old we were. We probably weren't really that old. She knocked on my door one day and she went, there's this thing called Crusaders. Do you want to go on a Sunday? And I went, yeah, all right then. And um, and that was the start of my faith journey. Yeah. That's the and, child brain again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on then. And, uh, yeah. and it was run by this amazing woman called Sheila. And we went every Sunday. And then I joined Brownies and Guides. And we went to, you know, the local CV church. And I sort of became quite interested. And then went home one day and said, I want to be confirmed. And they went, okay. Um, and it's it's just there. You mm. know, I I I've um and I have tried to shake it and I have <laughs> and I have been tested we'll try and do that. on several occasions, but and and I don't tend to label myself a Christian because if someone really, if I have a discussion with a very scientific person, I'm not I, I, I find it difficult to say, well, of course, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way the world was created. And, and so, but I have an innate sense and belief in God and Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a number of friends who work for what's now Urban Saints that was Crusaders um, back in the day. So they'll, mm-hmm. lo- they'll love to see that story. Why then do you think it is? And, you know, this is again, going back to my own journey of, of 15 uh, crikey, yeah, it's a, a long time ago now that um, uh, maths, my Tim, wife. You need to yeah, do maths. I know maths. Tim. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was it. I, it's just those numbers; they kind of scare me now because it shows how old I'm getting. But um, uh, my uh, own wife Emma, when she had ME, um, she her healing came through a uh, process called the lightning process, mm. which mm. is very or uses a lot of the same elements that you take and and I have to say that back then I was highly highly skeptical mm. and I remember we kept meeting Christians who'd had the lightning process and had got better from ME and uh, for me it was a lot of the talk around hypnosis in a sense that that seemed to you know freak me out a little bit but when she went I found the whole process in using that word biblical in a sense that the guy that that um taught Emma the process and um the lightning process is basically described as a, you know, in a sense, reprogramming your mind Mm. or Mm. very simply having a new way of thinking. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was so biblical and it, he kept quoting Bible verses. I don't never know to this day if the guy was a Christian, but he kept quoting Bible verses. And as I say, the, the outcome for Emma after basically having two years in bed to, Mm. you know, it was the start of a process, but all intents and purposes being instantly healed really over the three days that she, she went to this sort of sort of mind training. Why do you think it is that people of faith often are very skeptical about the lightning process, RTT, all of that kind of thing. I've got Katie now laughing hysterically. I'm laughing because you've just described a typical person who is 
um, the opposite, who's on the precipice of turning into a Christian, but doesn't know how. And instead of being scared by the, you know, the hypnosis, they're scared by the fact that we believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God are this thing. And there's yeah. this Trinity. It must be you're, you're describing how it must feel to want to be a Christian, but not really knowing whether it's for you or not, because it's a big leap of faith. Yeah. And I think you've just described it from the opposite way around. I'm very good at that, generally. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think it goes back to that sort of fear of the unknown, isn't it? Yeah. It's because I, I can't tangibly hold this. I can't tangibly see the Holy Spirit. And I, can't, and I, I just what, believe it's there. And it's the same with you know, types of therapy. So, so you're just going to do this thing and I'm going to be better you know it's it's hard to believe something that isn't tangible and it's hard to believe something that we haven't experienced before you know so so people will often come to me and, and I say how are you feeling and go a bit nervous I was like well of course you are because you've not done this before you know so you don't know what to expect and if we don't know what to expect it you know makes it a bit unfamiliar doesn't okay. it yeah yeah so Kate um just be kind of coming towards the end share us some of the the best stories that that you've seen um, obviously you can't go into names, but yes. just different situations yeah. that people have come to you and, and results you see. And can I just stop you one second? No, go for it. Because when people talk about spiders, I've got this, I love spiders. Um, the, the, my total she does. thing. She's, yeah, she's obsessed with I, I, I heard about that, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so if they ever want like, you know, like a chat about what kind of spider it is and, and um, no, they don't crawl into your ears. Why would they? It's stinky and like horrible. They're not going to go up there or your mouth or your nose. Um, no, they don't bite. Um, they don't fall to the floor. Um, you, you can use any of that. Um, and I'll quite happily come in while they're in the subconscious and talk to them about how brilliant spiders are. <laughs> bring, your, bring your spider collection. Yep. <laughs> yeah, thank you. For, well, I'll bear that in mind. Well, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a very interesting one, actually, that wasn't about spiders, but it was about mice. And this lady in her 70s contacted me and she said, I've, I've seen a mouse in my house and I've now had to move in with my son and I can't, I can't go back home. And you've got to see me and you've got to see me today because I don't know what to do. Uh, so did some quick rearranging and um, managed to see her. And yes, there had been some experiences in her childhood that had been attached to rodents and the negative association. But what it was really about was um, feeling very unsupported. Her husband had died, her children had moved out, and she was on her own. And mm. seeing the mouse had just triggered those times where she hadn't felt great about rodents as a child and just made her feel very vulnerable. Gosh. And so we just had to make her understand that she was a very capable woman and she'd gone through all sorts of things in her life and she'd you know come out the other side and she she did have incredible coping skills and she went back that night and she was absolutely fine um and then from from sort of a more uh, anxiety it's really about finding what caused that in the first place because people will often say well, yeah, I know where it comes from. And I go, oh, okay, tell me about that. And so they tell me, yeah, it was from this thing. I was like, well, that's fine. Let's, let's go and find out. But it's actually, that's the trigger. And the real problem was when they were younger. Mm -hmm. um, so one lovely story, I had um, a young musician 
And she was doing well in the States, but she had to travel around quite a lot. And she was terrified of flying. And so she would have to get on the Greyhound and spend hours and days getting to different places. And even getting over to America was difficult. And fear of flying, fear of uh, being on motorways, that tends to be a fear of being out of control. It's actually got nothing to do with the actual vehicle. And so when, once you can unravel that, she then went off and she's been traveling around America and having a, a fabulous time. Um, anxiety is usually a protection. So I was working with somebody today, actually, and he is just become too scared to go out and COVID has exacerbated that. And he doesn't want to go anywhere on his own. And the scenes he went back to were things that had caused anxiety in him and had uh, would cause anxiety in most people, some of those scenes. But I was saying, oh, have you noticed that you were always like rescued by someone? And, and he'd kind of associated that, that I'm not safe by myself. I need someone to look after me. And I said, well, let's go back and look at that first scene you were safe in that place. You didn't actually then need your parent to come and do anything. You, you'd done the right thing. You, you got to this place of safety. You were fine. In the second scene, you know, it didn't have to be that person. You, you know, you could. And once you actually can look back from your older self and say, well, yeah, of course I felt like that then, but I know what to do now. And I don't, I don't need that. And so what my mind's created as a protection, stay in, don't go out, don't do anything. It's scary out there is actually stopping you from living your life. And then you have to make it very clear to your mind, you know, thank you very much. I realize what you're trying to do for me, but you're not helping me anymore. And this is how I want to be. And we can actually have that dialogue with our minds. We can, you know, that our, our minds, we, you know, that as much as they talk to us, we can talk back uh, and make it very clear that actually this is what I want from you. Because that whatever your mind's creating for you, it thinks it's genuinely trying to help. It thinks it's it's trying to do something useful for you. And you, you have to just make it very clear that actually that's not what you want anymore. And just touching on um just touching on COVID uh, as well for a second, that you, you mentioned that obviously a massive the 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 big issue of our time. We were talking, well, probably pre in almost kind of pre-COVID about trying to get away now from the mental health, but a kind of a crisis of the mind. That was that was coming up to you to kind of use that phrase now a bit post COVID and seeing where our young people at are we in an adolescent crisis of the mind and I guess for um you know the the man and woman in in the street how can we help our teenagers do you think at uh, this time I think it's been incredibly difficult for them because I think what we have to remember is that we see everything in the context of a longer life. So we can put things in context. If you think back, you're a young person who's known nothing but education, pretty much. You're in a system. You know what happens next year. You know how, what happens in September. You know when you have your holidays. Somebody cooks you meals. Somebody tells you what you should do. Someone tells you what you shouldn't do. It's all very controlled. And then suddenly the whole world is fearful and you have got no context to put that in. All you can think about is, well, does that mean I go back to school? Does it mean I can take my exams? Am I going to ever see my friends again? Um, you know, am I going to lose family? And so for them, it becomes a much 
bigger thing. And I think children have almost been the forgotten ones in all this. It's like, oh, they're resilient. They can, they're adaptable. Yes, they are. They're very resilient and adaptable, but they're also very aware that something is wrong. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, they, they need the stability. They need to know that things will be back on track. And for goodness sake, get out of this. You have to pass these exams at this time. And then you go on to this. It doesn't matter. You know, the, no, the whole world wasn't expecting this. The whole world has gone through this. And if things take a bit longer, that's absolutely fine. You don't have to meet somebody else's timetable. So I think a lot more understanding and going back to seeing life from their point of view because i think katie's fist pumping the air as you're uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's more important that our kids are well exactly nothing else matters and what's the point of having exams if you can't function in the world yeah Uh, absolutely kate thank you so much it's been such um, a privilege to um to hear from you um how if people want to find out more about what you do more about rtt how can they find out well pretty much kate hoyle hypnotherapy will find me so hoyle is h-o-y-l-e my website is www.katehoylehypnotherapy.com but yeah put kate hoyle hypnotherapy into pretty much any social media and i'll pop up somewhere which is what i did and you did Oh, there you go. And, and, I love talking to people, and I love talking to people that just DM me, you know, uh, if, if I can help, if I can. She's so advice. down with the kids, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> just slide that DM in. <laughs> Brilliant. Tremendous. Now we have one final question, which Katie always asks. So, Kate, I'd, you probably know what this is. So, um, Pr- prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> She's listened to a lot of this, Katie. She's got you rumbled already. Yes, mate. <laughs> I'm also down with the kids, clearly. Um, right. So, Kate Hoyle of Fantastic Hypnotherapy and um, Mind Gooeyness. How do you take your tea? I like my tea strong with a tiny bit of milk. Oh, yeah. look at that. And, <laughs> Kate, and Kate, I'm Kate, with you, forever. Katie, with the Prosecco Chaser. Yay! <laughs> I think it's something to do with the name. Yeah, yeah. must be. Absolutely. <laughs> Tea with a Prosecco chaser. There we go. It's a Breakfast whole, with a... a Prosecco chaser. That's normal <laughs> anything, as well. Isn't it? Anything with a Prosecco <laughs> chaser. Okay, chaser we've talked about this before. We've Still got... the exercise I do that, chasing. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so very, very much indeed for joining us. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you. You're listening to Any More Tea. I loved that interview. Um, two reasons. Why? <laughs> One, it's great to know sort of more distant members of your family uh, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> She's uh, Emma's second cousin. But also for me, it opened my eyes again, I think, to always testing my beliefs. Because if I'd spoken to Kate or if we were doing this interview 20 25 years ago I would have been really really skeptical and I was brought up thinking that anything that involved the word hypnotherapy anything that's as kind of Kate was describing would have been well that's really dodgy from a faith point of view it's about mind control and then having seen my own wife be healed of um, of ME from something very very similar which I found to be incredibly biblically based anyway, 
Yeah. And then from, from talking to Kate, it's just this thing of, you know, faith in one sense shouldn't close our minds. It should open them because God is so much bigger and more vast and more extraordinary than we'll ever know. You know, the more I look at Jesus, the more I don't understand <laughs> as, I, as I get older. <laughs> and really what she was describing there in um, using RTT therapy and the stuff that she's been through, it's about discovering more about how minds work. I think for years we've known a lot about our bodies, but now we're kind of understanding our minds more. I just don't want to go into my subconscious. Um, <laughs> no, nobody wants, no one wants to go there. It was interesting frankly. though, yeah, nobody does. It's a deep and dark place. There's things in it that shouldn't really be talked about ever. <laughs> we, do you know what? We all have those. That's the thing, isn't it? No, nobody yeah. wants to look down our minds. Yeah. I thought what was really interesting is um, the fact that your, our subconscious is working constantly because yeah. I don't sit and think, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, lungs expand, lungs expand. The capacity that goes on in that area is huge. And, and there's no wonder things get like misfiled or, um, you know, well, misfiled actually, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, you see a, a rat and you, you, or your mind thinks you've seen a rat and you can't stay in your house and, and that's not it at all. It's something very, very different. Um, they're, they're tricksy little places, these minds. Yeah. Um, it's like math. It's witchcraft. <laughs> witchcraft in there. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, quite a lot of people think math is demonic. No, but big shout out to all your math teachers out there, though. It's a, it's a great oh, shout out. They're yeah, amazing. They are. Because they, they actually people. come across as normal people. Yeah. I know loads of them, and they're all really, really lovely. Um. And then they do this math thing, <laughs> like magic, witchcraft, and numbers. I don't know what to do with myself. It's only any more tea, isn't it, that we can we can move from talking about about Jesus to to maths in about, in about fifteen sentences. It's quite quite extraordinary. But I think one of the things again that I've discovered so much, and when Emma had her treatment, crikey. Um, best part of 15, 16 years ago now was one of the analogies the guy that did her treatment talked about being the brain being in a sense like an old fashioned 12 inch record. Crikey, I'm showing my age now with all of those different grooves in it where the needle would be in the groove and it would and it would kind of play that that line of music and then it would move on to the next one and so on. And with a lot of the, the problems in our brains are that our needles get stuck in a particular groove and they can't get out. And, you know, and obviously, and you can remember those, those noises from 90s scratching hip hop records. Yeah. And if you imagine that's what your brain is doing when you're having mental health problems and you can think of, you know, somehow those incredible DJs managed to get it sounding remotely tuneful, but at those times when it didn't and it, you know, it hurts. And, and you're seeing members of my own family at the moment going through it's our brains are complex and tricky. And it's great to know there's so many people out there can help now. It's great to know I've got one. <laughs> Helper or a brain. Well, <laughs> well, Kate's there. I mean, yeah, she's that's just that's amazing. That's and I yeah. think I was talking about brain, but I just like <laughs> the idea that um, often we think therapy is a long drawn out thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that might put people off. Yep. Whereas the whole point of this is it's rapid. Um, you know, it sorts it out yep. quite quickly um, and sets you up and on your way. And and the thought, again, it's that, isn't it? 
well, like you said, yep. if anything, when you were growing up, hypnosis was, ooh, what's that? Oh, freaky stuff. Um, I think in the day and age that we're in, we probably regard something that nobody believes in a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually, true. Yeah, actually, sometimes that, there is. That's the conditioning yeah. that we've put in our brain. Yeah. Um, and it's probably going to take a bit of Kate to get um, that conditioning taken yeah. away. So I'm all for it, mate. No, absolutely. And so if, if you're out there and you're thinking that, you know, this is something you could really benefit from. Uh, just Google Kate Hoyle hypnotherapy and um, all the details that you need are out there. And just to say that one of the things that Kate didn't have a chance to say in the interview she wished she had was her own. She talks about coming to faith herself in the first place, but didn't we didn't get a chance to look at her own faith struggles through her um, through her daughter's uh, illness and then and then subsequent recovery. Um, but she asked me later just to um, to put that to put that in and let you know that her you know she went through a real kind of faith journey, but the Lord's really brought her out the other side with it too. So next week we have pretty amazing second part to this where we're going to be interviewing an incredible guy called Will Vanderhart who has an amazing story of his own faith journey, his own mental health journey, and how that was affected by something that affected us all back in two thousand five. So um, yeah, do stay tuned for that. It will be, um, it will be mind blowing. I reckon. Certainly will. It certainly will. So till then, um, spread the word about any more tea. We've got lots more fantastic uh, interviews and episodes to come over the next few weeks. Let people know all about it. We're going to be also. We're going to have a little bit of merch soon as well, which is quite exciting. So the down with the kids. mug is out there <laughs> so down. we've been talking about math and merch we are <laughs> hold on a minute unbelievable isn't it a mug with our mugs on it, it's with a mug, mug of mugs yeah <laughs> it's the mug of mugs it's the, the mug, mug of mugs, mugs. <laughs> the mug of mugs <laughs> we'll let that you know can only how... be yours <laughs> no we can let you know how you can get hold of a mug of mugs um very soon as well but check out our social media platforms to have an early preview of the mug of mugs uh but until then it's goodbye from me the reverend tim rose and um what can i do this now i'll stick it with peace and it's peace from me So for more details about St. Mary Magdalene Church, you can check out uh, www.stmarymagdalene.co.uk or follow us on Facebook at St. Mary Magdalene Littleton UK. That's at St. Mary Magdalene Littleton UK.